0: So I'm joined by Adrian Reese from ARC, Ali Sims and Alex McClucky from DJS Research and Marios Kiriaki, my colleague from Axia Origin. Thank you so much for joining us, guys. And we're going to have a chat today about the recent OffWatt consultation that's come out on PR24 and in particular, a bit of it that I know we're all really interested in, which is around the concept of public value and around understanding customers and communities. So I'm going to come to AD first. Ady, Give me a sense of where we are now and what the regulator thinks and the water companies think about our understanding towards public value and the communities that we serve.
1: From my perspective, I always think about where we are now in the sense of where we have come from, which is always interesting because we always beat ourselves up in the water sector that we're really slow at change. But um, in 20 years, you've gone from a position where it the first appearances of customers' voices in the early noughties uh, via some of the decision-making approaches that were being used back then, uh, to a point now where you've got environmental and social value and how does a regulator incentivize that being maximized in companies' business planning processes, and where do customers' and communities' features, this is language that never appeared up until the last five or six years, really, I would say, Certainly, in this this environment. Um, and you kind of wonder where that's come from. Um, some of it is because the world we live in is is becoming more, even more obviously messy and wicked than it ever was. Uh, we've got this small problem of climate change, which we have to, in the face of that, deliver improved resilience. We have to deliver net biodiversity gain. We have to level up. We have to achieve net zero. And there's quite a few... Tangled things going on here, and that's not a simple problem to to resolve. What else might be driving it? Well, governmental direction and and supranational organisations, such as the EU and the UN, are very much pushing down this road. But then you look at investors who are really keen to put their money uh, into impact investing. You know, the rise of ESG has been huge over the last few years and demand still outstrips supply by several orbiters of magnitude. Um, And then you've got the decision-making by various entities, including the water companies, but also the regulators. So all of those things, I think, have driven value to the fore uh, and trying to broaden out perspectives of what value is. Um, So that, I think, is sort of where we're at. And, And we're all quite excited about where it could go, I think, which is... Possibly where um, some of the conversations with customers and communities are really going to help inform that.
0: Yeah, I wonder, Ali, in that case, could I bring you into the conversation? Because there's this piece around value, but there's also this narrative around really understanding customers and understanding communities. Can you give me a sense of where we're at at the moment in terms of our ability to do that and maybe some of the work that you've been doing around that?
2: I think it's something that not just within the water sector, but also within the public sector, we're being asked to do more and more. So it's not just sort of go out into this community and do a survey. It is more sort of open consultation. It's more working with what you guys do. So big data as well, and trying to bring numerous sources together to really get a feel for that community and not just you know, their answers to water related issues, but more a feel for, you know, what's going on in their lives? Um, How can water companies sort of tune into them and in effect reap the benefits of tuning into them in terms of moulding behaviour change and so on? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't
0: it? The more we think about the challenges that Aidy talked about at the beginning and actually how so many of those won't be delivered entirely by customers changing things of course but there's there's such an opportunity isn't there through the amount of water that we choose to use what we choose to put down our loo's actually all of those kind of things can can really have quite a significant impact actually on the ability of water companies to do their job as well marios i wonder if i would come to you in that case then because obviously we work together and and i know a little bit um about some of the, the thinking that we're doing within Axia Origin around really understanding customers and really understanding communities. Can you give me a feel for what we're excited about for PR24 and, and where we think um, we can take the existing thinking and, and notch it up a, le- a level there?
3: Yeah, very excited about the potential for you know innovations, I guess, and um, R&D in areas about understanding communities and really understanding topics that are centred around advocacy and around the nature of advocacy. We as a business, we work quite a lot with data and analytics. One thing that we're consistently seeing is that open and social media data in particular are very valuable in understanding how communities mobilize and how they advocate for certain topics. But one thing we're consistently seeing is that those are still quite new topics and quite new concepts for a lot of people. And in in particular for the water industry, um, I think we're very much excited about closing the knowledge gap on how to use open and social media data, how to use it effectively, how to understand it. And I guess how it can be used to provide a shape to certain topics like advocacy, like valuing water. And the nature of how communities evolve. And when I say providing shape to that, what I mean in particular is that something like advocacy, something like um, how a community mobilizes, people can generally have an understanding of what that means. I mean, there are groups like Extinction Rebellion, there are political groups who very successfully congregate online and form online and they're very successful. But it can be hard for people in their minds to uh, actually quantify that in some ways. So I guess what we're continually innovating with, and what we're constantly trying to further our understanding on, um, is about how we can provide shape to those conversations, how we can quantify them, visualize what an online network might look like if you if you could see it in a visual space. Visualize how people might be key influencers within those groups, how they might have certain high levels of advocacy and how there might be some people who are lower on the advocacy scale and really just quantifying these communities, quantifying the nature of advocacy for for water related topics. I think that could be something very useful presently, definitely, but also as we go into the future, it will play a, a really important role.
0: Thank you so much, Marius. One of the things that I um, also reflect on, though, are the kind of digitally excluded? So I think there's a real role for exploring, you know, open and social data. Of course I do. I mean, that's the job that we do. But I'm also interested in how we reach those communities, particularly for something that's universal service provision, like water, who either may find that difficult or just don't have that same kind of presence online. And I'm interested... I guess, the combination of what we do and what DJS does. Is that, maybe Ali, if I come back to you for a second, is that something that the work that DJS do reaches?
2: Absolutely, yes. I mean, that's something that's been important to us in previous price reviews um, and their consultations as well. We know, especially through COVID and the restrictions that have been placed on us, that there, you know, research. there is a lot of research being done online, but we always... Ensure that we go out to sort of a digitally excluded cohort as well, and um, it, that's been over the telephone. Sort of over the last eighteen months. Previous to that, it was more face to face, wasn't it, Alex?
4: That's right. That's right. Yeah. I mean, it's an incredibly important area which we've always kind of weaved into the majority, if not all, of the projects we've we've, we've done throughout the throughout the price reviews and the ad hoc pieces that we've been doing. And I can't, that won't be changing anytime soon.
0: Yeah. I think when we start to think about the whole kind of um, customers and communities, I start to then think about the future bill payers as well. And whilst they might not be digitally excluded, actually, um, the way that they communicate online will not be the same as, as adults, will it? So actually, how do you tap into all of that? That kind of takes us a little bit back to the value piece. And maybe, Alex, if I if I come to you next, I'd be really interested. I know you've been giving some thought to um, to value, I suppose, really. If I give you a really broad question, give us a feel for what you're, what you're thinking and what you're excited about for PR24 that you might start to look at.
4: Yeah. So, I mean, in reading the consultation that came out, I suppose... On the one hand, I kind of felt like the writing and bit on the wall for value being a key theme of it for a while. I mean, I go back to, I think it was 2019 now, or if if there's one thing this last year has done, it's made time kind of distort in my brain, but I think it was 2019 (laughs) when um, I I heard Rachel Fletcher when she was still chief executive off what down at one of the Beasley lectures and she was, was, one of the lectures, the key kind of point that she was making or things she was trying to highlight was um, regulation by social contract. And she was also talking about value as a part of that. And it was really interesting because I think it's it's probably fair to say she was pulling no punches, um, really, when I heard her speak in the sense that she was saying that some water companies, yes, they all have social purpose, purpose statements. But to some, and obviously no names were mentioned, but some probably stopped there. There wasn't necessarily the actions on the back of the nice statement to, to back that up. So it was pretty clear then that this was going to be a theme that wasn't going to go away and even with her departure it's still very much there and brought to the fore so no necessarily surprises there but it was interesting because i think as the consultation itself said water companies have always had this their own kind of environmental and socioeconomic footprint now the question is that excites me is how much broader that's going to go and I've seen it in some briefs that have come through from my clients to date where they're they're interested in exploring that themselves. And some of the areas that we've been looking at is looking, yes, at the, I suppose, that the core measures and the core areas that water companies work in. However, we've also been looking to take it a little bit broader than that, almost at a more psychological level, so one of the things, just to give you an example, is around um, emotions. So for instance, when you're speaking of value, you could maybe, if you if you, if you you go with me, if you think of what we'll call real and perceived value, and we kind of go down those two tracks. Real, you might say, relates to the, the core functions of clean, safe drinking water. And on the perceived value, you, you might be talking about some secondary measures, which I'm going to tie in with emotions. So we've been doing some interesting work for one water company recently where they were Looking at exactly that, um, perceptions of value in relation to their core metrics around their core functions and perceptions of value in terms of the extent to which certain emotions are felt by their customer base and seeing what that can pull out, how important are emotions and that emotional feel that a a water company can provide for their communities because it's probably... Um, it's safe to say that the industry might have been quite emotionally enumerate for a while. I don't think it's necessarily been at the forefront, let's say, of what they've been trying to do. But um, it feels like it's it's gaining traction at least. So just to give you one idea of how broad that conception of value can be, I think it's going to be uh, really interesting to see where that goes.
0: That that's a, I mean, it's a fascinating. Just the concept is fascinating, actually. Um, and I'm gonna come to marios in a second um because i'm keen to hear his thoughts around that because for me my brain immediately goes to the likes of twitter where actually people's emotions i mean it's one of the reasons a lot of people don't like twitter isn't it because it's it's um it's full of emotion actually but but what i've seen um professionally is that Big organisations have changed their approach, their entire approach to strategic communications on the back of the level of emotion that they've experienced on Twitter, actually. And um, that's fascinating for me. So that goes from how people feel about a particular topic or the performance of an organisation that directly then impacts the way that organisation chooses to, um, to communicate about their services, for example, purely based on on emotion often not always based on fact at all so I think it's that um, is a really interesting concept Marius I'd love to bring you in if that's okay and just hear your reflections on what on what Alex just said and whether there's any applicability to some of the work that you've been doing as well
3: I think it's really interesting I think it's of huge value if we are able to understand people's emotional profiles and how people emotionally respond and perceive different goods and services different resources Water is an absolutely hugely vital resource. And exactly as you were saying earlier, Nikki, it's something that affects everybody, including digitally excluded, including people of all races, of all ages, and therefore the spectrum of different emotional responses is something that is felt by all of those different people. So if we are able to measure and harness that, I think it's hugely, hugely important. Water is something that might not necessarily be expressed by people in their language and behavior online. You might not see somebody necessarily tweeting, I am so grateful for my my water um, or my water usage. So there's always a challenge of how you approach, how you measure somebody's advocacy towards water or how you measure their appreciation of water. And you have to find ways which are robust enough in doing that, but are also, I guess, appreciative of how they feel, how they emotionally resonate with the topics. And I think um, one of the challenges that we've had with this with social media is that people often resort to asking about sentiment analysis. Sentiment analysis is kind of hyped. It's popular with social media tool providers and software providers. But it's really generally inaccurate because of the fact that oftentimes you're not going into a specific enough amount of detail about the topic you're analyzing to be able to decipher what the sentiment is around that topic. So it gets a lot of false positives. You get a lot of um, things like sarcasm that are missed completely, mm-hmm. but also just it just provides very inaccurate results. So I think if we are able to um, understand the emotional perceptions around different water related topics, it, it's hugely useful. It's filling a massive gap that exists there.
0: I think um sentiment analysis probably doesn't work in Yorkshire, I would imagine, at all. <laughs> and I say that as somebody who's a proud adopted Yorkshire woman. So uh, yeah, uh, I think if it could do sarcasm, it might get more traction. Thank you so much, Maris. I um I'm gonna come to Aidy for our kind of concluding thoughts really. I um I'm fascinated by some of the ideas that that we've started to kick around. I'm challenging myself, why bother though? Why is this important to customers and consumers? Because there'll be a lot of time and effort from people like us expended over the next few years thinking about this. So why is it important? What difference will it make to the consumers and customers of water companies if we get this right?
1: I mean, my, my take on that would be possibly a little bit, uh, use the word altruistic, maybe that's not the right one, but it's, it's as much around this recognition that the water sector has been um, manufactured capital heavy for a very long time, and, and understandably so, but we can't continue to try and construct new assets that will solve all these problems for us. A lot of these won't be about bigger, faster, more expensive, more energy-consuming assets. Those just perpetuate the problem. Some of this is going to be about working collectively, collaboratively to deliver it. Um, And that's, I think, the clues in the title of off Consultation, Creating Tomorrow Together. Um, So that's that's one angle on it. I think to some extent it's in customers' bill payers' own best interests to make sure that companies are putting in the best value options, and those might be a bigger plant or they might be education campaigns or partnership programs at work to maximise benefits across loads of sectors. I mean, you look at the, the pandemic that Alex mentioned earlier on, it, it's it's changed a whole load of perceptions of what the boundaries of what the water sector does. It's doing all the COVID-19 testing in the sewage. You now, that is a health sector service, <laughs> and... Why stop there? I mean, social prescribing could unlock a whole load of, of benefits mm. around green space being delivered as part of a flooding solution, for instance. So you know, collectively, uh, there's is a, a, an altruistic reason to do it, but there's a, a benefit to individual bill payers in what they get back from being involved in this process. And if we can tap into their collective views around emotions, around trust, for instance, all of those things, are going to help unlock a, a better way of the sector working.
0: Yeah, thank you so much, Adi. If if we do it well, I'm really excited to see what the next, you know, five, ten years look like in the sector, actually. It does feel like it's going beyond pouring concrete and um, in a really meaningful way, which is exciting. And I guess understanding the customers that we serve and the communities that we serve as a sector and um, really tapping into what they value rather than just what they are willing to pay for in a stated way. But really, what they actually value is fascinating. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what comes next, really. Um, thank you so much. So, Adi, Ali, Alex, Marios, it was an absolute joy, as ever, to talk to you. And I'm looking forward to seeing what, what comes as we start to get ready for PR24. Thank you so much for your time.